0: You're listening to Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Medical Imaging, a program discussing the latest innovations in clinical radiology and imaging technologies. Your host is Dr. Jason Bernholz, Director of Diagnostic Ultrasound Consultants in Oak Brook, Illinois.
1: Bubbles, bubbles all around, both big and small ones to be found. Some offer fun and tricks for you, while others have their jobs to do. One of those jobs is a new technique for visualizing and characterizing blood flow dynamics with ultrasound. With me today is Dr. Stephanie Wilson from the Foothills Medical Center in Calgary, Alberta. Dr. Wilson is Professor of Radiology at the University of Calgary and a previous President and Gold Medal recipient of the Canadian Association of Radiologists. Today we are discussing dynamic contrast-enhanced ultrasound. Hello, Stephanie.
0: Hello, Jason. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Well, I wonder if we might start with something very, very basic. Perhaps you tell us what a radiologist means by contrast and why it might need to be enhanced.
0: Well, when we do imaging of the soft tissues in the body, oftentimes there is not sufficient difference between two tissues. Let's just say, for example, a liver with a tumor in it. And if we inject intravenously into the patient's arm a contrast agent, the contrast agent circulates in the blood, and when it arrives in the liver, the blood flow to the tumor in the liver is likely different than the blood flow to the liver itself. Consequently, the contrast agent allows us to, first of all, identify, and then secondly, to characterize that liver mass.
1: Okay, so we're making something visible that would be invisible in an ordinary film. Yes. Now, for x-ray work, we're looking at atomic features of tissues. And a contrast agent is one that has a much higher or much lower atomic number than tissue averages. And all of our listeners are going to be familiar with use of barium, the use of iodinated compounds for angiography, for pyelography. What's the situation with ultrasound?
0: Well, ultrasound can image blood without using a contrast agent with the use of Doppler, And so Doppler is a long-known familiar technique, but the problem with using Doppler alone is that it is insufficiently sensitive to allow us to actually see the perfusion of the organ or of a tumor at the capillary level. So we use contrast agents in ultrasound that are unique in that they are tiny microbubbles of gas that are injected intravenously and these microbubbles actually interact with the scanning technique. So consequently, if you inject these microbubbles in a small vein in the patient's arm, they will circulate to the organ that you're looking at. And when you put an ultrasound beam over that organ, the ultrasound waves will go in and when they Interact with the microbubble, the microbubble oscillates or it changes its diameter in response to that ultrasound beam. And when the microbubble oscillates, it will send a signal back to the transducer, and electronic interpretation of those signals that are coming back allows us then, with that very tiny injection, to see not only the perfusion of the organ, but actually to visualize the bubbles as they course through the vessels. So we get something almost like an angiogram with just a tiny intravenous injection.
1: Okay, well, there are a few little points here. Bubbles vibrate, so it makes them very strong reflectors, so you can see them even in very, very low concentrations. I guess the first question would be, why do we want to do this when there are so many other forms of angiography that are available?
0: So first of all, ultrasound is an extremely safe technique and a common, common hot topic today is the excessive radiation to which our population is exposed because of the use of radiologic techniques and particularly CT scan. So if we can get that same information that we would get from a contrast-enhanced CT scan by doing a contrast-enhanced ultrasound, this is of tremendous benefit to the patient, particularly the young patient, the pediatric patient, and of course to all people in the reproductive years. You don't want to have excess radiation. So radiation would be a first answer.
1: The first contrast agent was just aerated saline, and the bubbles never lasted very long. I take it that the new agents that are around have a lot more persistence in the circulation.
0: Yes, actually, (laughs) you made me laugh by saying that. I recall that injecting agitated saline with air within the suspension into patients' bodies. And of course, this did not work very well. It worked, but not very well. And so progressively over the years that I've been interested in using these microbubbles, we've had great improvements first in the bubbles. So now use agents that have perfluorocarbon gas that's suspended in a solution, and of course, the big, big advantages beyond that are in the scanning technique. So there have been multiple different steps that have made the equipment that we use both more sensitive to the signal from the bubble and also allowing us to suppress the background tissue so that when we look at these beautiful pictures, we're only looking at the information from the bubbles.
1: Now, I take it that these contrast agents are very safe and probably much cheaper than conventional x-ray contrast agents.
0: Well, the cost of a vial of ultrasound contrast and a similar dose for a CT scan is actually quite similar. However, there's no question that when you couple in the operational costs and the costs of the equipment, that money saving is significant. That's absolutely the truth.
1: And safe too, I presume.
0: Now, safety. Of the thousands of scans that I have done myself, I have never had any significant adverse event. And these microbubbles have a very good safety profile, particularly when they're used in the typical radiology patient. In other words, whether they're inpatient or outpatient, but they're patients on whom we're looking at soft tissue perfusion. They're extremely safe. Most patients are totally unaware of even having the injection of bubbles. Now, there's no question that with any test that you do, there are adverse events. And so the adverse event rate for microbubble contrast agents is comparable or better than that for MR contrast agents and certainly much safer than that for a CT scan. And so most of the adverse events that do occur with microbubbles occur in cardiac patients where there are significant comorbidities that make it difficult to ascertain where the adverse event arose.
1: If you just tuned in, you're listening to Advances in Medical Imaging from ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Jason Bernholtz, and I'm speaking with Dr. Stephanie Wilson of the Foothills Medical Center in Calgary, and we are discussing dynamic contrast-enhanced ultrasound. Well, Stephanie, I guess one of the scenarios is doing intravenous contrast angiography of large vessels like the aorta. And let's say somebody who's had a stent replacement and you want to be sure it's not leaking. That would be a bona fide application, wouldn't it?
0: Yes monitoring aortic stent grafts is a very, very good application. And one of the places where this has got a tremendous benefit is that in the patient who has an aortic stent graft, the patient often has compromise of their renal function as part and parcel of their vascular disease. In other words, they have atherosclerosis and it affects not only their aorta, but also the blood vessels to their kidneys. And so these patients require monitoring of any aortic stent grafts, which are inserted on a regular, probably annual basis. And so microbubble contrast agents visualize the aorta and the stent graft beautifully, and they can be used without any concern for the patient's renal function. And so this is another very big advantage of microbubble contrast agents in this time when we recognize the risk of nephrotoxicity of both CT and MR contrast agents.
1: Well, I know that a lot of your own work has focused on liver and liver nodules. In fact, I should tell our listeners that Dr. Wilson is probably a world authority on contrast ultrasound of liver tumors. So I think this would be really nice to hear about your own experience in that particular area. But one thing I'd like you just to mention first is that I know when you're now doing these contrast studies, you're not only watching the inflow of the contrast material, but you're also blasting the areas, disrupting the bubbles, and watching the dynamics of outflow and refilling.
0: Yes, we do exactly what you've just said. We watch the inflow of the microbubbles into the field of view, and so we're looking at the liver, and usually we're looking at a focal liver mass. And so we're looking at it to characterize it. So what is its diagnosis? Is it malignant or benign? And then what is its specific diagnosis? Is it a hemangioma or an adenoma or FNH or hepatocellular carcinoma or metastasis? And so we determine these diagnoses by looking at the blood vessels within the liver tumor. And the blood vessels have very specific morphologies for each diagnosis. And so we watch the bubbles as they arrive in the field of view. And then we do exactly as you say, we give a very short burst of high MI or a higher power to the bubbles. And the bubbles disrupt a unique feature of these bubbles. And so then a new supply of bubbles comes in as the blood reperfuses that area that we're looking at. And so by a specialized technique, we can actually track the course of the microbubbles and show beautiful depiction of the blood vessels in the tumor.
1: How often do you have questions about liver tumors? Is this just people who are cirrhotic and whom you're wondering about whether a hepatoma has occurred, or is this a much more broad issue?
0: A much more broad issue. You hit on one of the really big indications, though, and you're absolutely correct. So in the patient that has cirrhosis or who has a known risk for developing liver tumour. So that includes all patients with hepatitis B, hepatitis C, with alcohol liver disease, with fatty liver disease, which is a very big and growing problem in North America. So patients who are at risk for hepatoma are subject to multiple imaging tests in the hopes of finding tumours that they are at risk for while they're small and treatable. And so ultrasound with contrast-enhanced ultrasound using the microbubbles, plays an integral role, especially in the characterization of the small, newly detected lesion on surveillance scan. So that's one of the most common uses. But beyond that, there are countless patients who have liver tumors that are found either incidentally or as part of a workup that includes looking for a liver tumor. And so, for example, if we discuss the incidentally detected liver mass, patients come in, let's say, with abdominal pain, and there's no concern about their liver, but while we're doing the scan, any kind of scan, a liver mass can be detected. And this occurs with alarming regularity, so every day there are many masses found all over the world. And these masses, because they're found incidentally, they may be small, they may be big, but they're often cause of great concern to the patient and to the referring clinician. And so many of these lesions, because they're incidentally detected, actually turn out to be benign, but we have to prove that. And so those patients are perfect patients where a non-radiation, low-risk test, if it can give you the answer, is an excellent choice. Beyond that, there are other specific situations. Young women, for example, often on birth control pills, may develop a liver cell adenoma, a benign tumor of the liver. But this diagnosis proves to be very difficult and there is a frequent overlap of that specific tumor with a more insignificant lesion called focal nodular hyperplasia. And so the microbubble technique allows us very precisely to differentiate those two relatively common and important lesions. And then In other patients, let's say a patient with malignancy, many masses that are found in the liver of a patient with malignancy may also be these benign tumors. And again, so you must not presume that a tumor in a cancer patient will necessarily be a cancer. You have to prove that it's a cancer. So in all of these situations, many, many situations, we do liver mass characterization. And you question me as to how often we do this. Basically, I inject microbubbles the better part of every day, all day long. So we use it for the liver, we use it for the gut, we use it for other masses in the pancreas and the biliary tract. The tremendously growing indications for this technique.
1: What about the gut? What do you do there?
0: So we use. Doppler, of course, to try to see if we can detect excess blood flow in these thickened loops of bowel, but for many reasons, this often can be difficult, again, related to the depth of the bowel, the size of the patient, different factors, and so the use of contrast enhanced ultrasound shows very beautifully the amount of vascularity that is in the bowel wall. And then we try to actually quantify it by looking at the ratio of the amount of enhancing bowel wall relative to the total thickness of the bowel wall.
1: Thanks to Dr. Stephanie Wilson from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, who has been our guest. We have been discussing dynamic contrast-enhanced ultrasound, ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.
0: You've been listening to Advances in Medical Imaging. For more details on this week's show or to download the segment, visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.